Hello and welcome to Numbers on the Boards, presented by Fanboys, the official toy store of the Dallas Mavericks. It's on Studio 41 Radio, 97.1 The Freak, the Mavs YouTube channel, and so on, Spotify, iTunes. Comment where you listen to us. We just want to know, where are you in the world? What platform are you on? And all of that. My name is Bobby Corella, digital content manager for the Dallas Mavericks, coming to you from Studio 41. Joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Skin Wade. Hello, Bobby. How are you, man? Oh, I'm good. I'm fantastic. Talking to you. Dude, we, uh, we've been waiting a long time to record. We're just kind of waiting for the Mavs to win a game. They finally did. Yeah. Uh, and boy, did they barely, there was some, so much white knuckling last night. You know, I was sitting there, uh, as I was confident that the Mavs were going to win with, you know, like five seconds to go in the game Mm -hmm. going, man, I can't believe it. We're going to be sitting here looking back going Dwight Powell and Jaden Hardy might've saved the Mavs season. And then about 10 minutes of real time later, I was like, man, thank God Christian would save the Maverick season. (laughs) It is, it is so tough right now, Bobby. And I know like, you know, you, you look out on the horizon, you go, well, this is okay. You have Luca and you have Kyrie and we can get into, to their injury situation. I just didn't in any circumstance expect to be sitting here with this many games left going, God, can we make the play in? I mean, it has been a really, really tough post All-Star break stretch for the team, the fans. Heck, even the media seems depressed by it. It's been really, really tough, man. It is just hard. And I think like the sometimes over the years, you know, the Mavs have struggled, right? There's been some there's been some down years around here, even during the Dirk years, like in those years, they'd win 50 games, and we'd be like, man, this is kind of a disappointing season. It's sort of a bummer. And yeah. usually, when the Mavs struggle, or when any team struggles, you can point to, like, one thing, right? You can say, right. God, they just can't make their free throws, or God, they just can't get a stop, or God, they are just they have such bad injury luck. But this year, it's like all of that and then some. There's almost, like, too many things going wrong for us to be able to like talk it out <laughs> it just it sort of feels like the walls are like crumbling around us you know yeah and I, and I think that's the main reason why you know when you see criticisms of the team it's primarily coaching based because when there are multitudes of things wrong I think in any sport that's where we go okay well the coach is clearly doing a terrible job with the Mavericks it's kind of unique in that they're really two completely different teams. And and I think we could say the same thing about last year's team, right? You had, when you have a trade where your second best player leaves and then there's new pieces and then you're changing the style around them, there were, you know, we would talk about this on Mavs Live. I kind of talked about this idea that sometimes the Mavs get super cash. And, and I think the best example of this is the first game of the season. I mean, what a BS game. They were blowing the doors off the Suns, and then they were like, oh, man, I'm going to see what happens if I play with my mashed potatoes for 30 minutes. And we just had an awful did. vibe check the morning after that game. That was, it was horrible. That was tough. And and, and that really uh, set the tone for what the, the season is going to be. But, you know, my point with that is that's a completely different problem than what's going on right now. And whenever you have a stretch like this and you have so few wins in it, 
uh, you know, it, it's not, e- I mean, we know the Mavericks have defensive problems, but right now they're on this, uh, what is it? Three or four game stretch with no Kyrie or Luca. And you can't just say, well, it's no Kyrie or Luca because they weren't winning the games before that. But then if you look at those games, they were losing on the final possession against really good teams. So it's clear they're there. It's clear this team isn't going to win with defense. I mean, we know that they can play defense better with the guys they have, but they're not. They got outscored everybody. You know who else has to outscore everybody? The Phoenix Suns. And and everybody thinks they have a chance to win a championship if KD is healthy. So uh, it's there are so many different things that have gone wrong that are situational. I think we turn and we look at the coach in any sport and go, well, that's the coach's fault or that's the coaching staff's fault. But the other thing is that Jason Kidd showed us last year and his staff that they build towards the playoffs. They sacrifice things during the year, including wins, to try to build what they think will make them go the deepest. Well, the problem with that is they've had too many games where they fiddle farted around early in the season and blue games they shouldn't. So there's no margin for error to go, well, we're building towards this. And so you add all of that up and it's a very unsatisfying season for fans. And it's really easy to go. The coaching staff is doing a terrible job when I think what they're trying to do, it's difficult to do now because they farted around way too much. And now they're on the edge of missing the playoffs entirely, which would be disastrous. It would be very bad. Uh, We've been doing this podcast now, gosh, I think this is season number six of Numbers on the Boards. Now, Mm -hmm. we didn't, it's not like we've been with you every day, like Locked on Mavs or anything, but going all the way back to the start of the 2017-18 season, that's Dennis Smith Jr.'s rookie year. Feels like in the month of September or October, every single year since 2017, I've sat here and said, man, it's really important that the Mavs get off to a good start this season. For many reasons. One, vibes. It's just good to start the season four and one. You're just feeling good, right? But also, if you win 15 out of your first 22 games, then you can afford to like drop three straight in February, or you can afford to have Luca miss two weeks with an injury, or you can afford to like make a big trade that's going to shake up the roster that might make you thinner at a position, but it's going to be fine because you can just figure it out in time for the playoffs. But just like last season, just like the year before, they didn't get off to a good start. They did in 2019-20, and then it's really good that they did skin because they were like 16-6 and six or 17-7 and seven or something, and then Lucas sprained his ankle and missed right. and then came back and played like three weeks and then sprained it again. He missed like a month, a month and a half out of like a two-month stretch. It's really important to pad the, your record at the beginning of the year, and they just they just weren't able to this season and so they are kind of paying the price now I thought there was one play in the Spurs game that really summed up the whole deal right at the end of the third quarter the Mavs uh I don't know if they concede it do you concede a 15 to 2 run or does the other team do it it feels like if you concede it's like it's almost your fault the Spurs went on a 15 to 2 run yeah things were kind of bad but Dallas made a little bit of, of a push right before the end of the quarter it was 93 to 88 they had a chance to shoot to make it a one-possession game. <laughs> McKinley Wright turned it over, or somebody turned it over. I don't remember who. And then uh, McKinley Wright fouls a guy, shooting yeah. a half-court shot with 0.2 seconds left on the on the clock. And that play is the perfect microcosm because on the one hand, bad discipline play, right? And in, in, in the NFL, dude, like think about it. Like the 
Mike McCarthy teams always commit the most penalties. Like, right, right. Usually discipline comes back to coaching. Uh, but how about like McKinley Wright shouldn't be playing. He wouldn't be playing if right. your guys were healthy. So you could blame it on injuries, but also like, shouldn't you position your roster so that if your starting point guard gets hurt, you don't have to play a two-way player. So then they could come on the GM, but then also dude players play. So isn't it yeah. like the player's fault? It's just like things like that happen once or twice a year to most teams. But for the Mavs, that like happens like once or twice a game. <laughs> yeah, no. So, dude, I love everything you're laying out there because it, it kind of peels back so many layers. That's where you start getting into what is the, I guess the word people like to use in the situation is culture. You know, hey, what's the culture of the team? How is it built up? Is everybody have their role? You know, if you ever played, had some coach tell you you're only as strong as your weakest link, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the other funny reason why that's a microcosm of that game, that play, is because didn't Homie make one of three free throws? Yeah, yeah Blake Wesley brick two of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like, yeah. Uh, okay, hey, Spurs, here's another chance, but you guys aren't trying to win either. The Spurs um, for the game shot 15 of 26 on free throws. They actually out-Mavs the Mavs. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so that's another thing. Like, I was, my biggest, I had two huge frustrations pre-Kyrie. The things that, you know, drove me insane, made me cuss under my breath, made me question things. One was before we got Kyrie, I hated what the Mavericks did with four seconds left down one or tied. I hated it. I don't ever want to catch the ball moving away from the basket at 33 feet away, moving away from the basket at 33 feet and go, hey, Luca, make it trick hook shot with your nuts like i hate that i hate it i hate it i hate it it's the only thing we ever ran so like if i'm going to be critical of the coaching staff i'm like is this all you guys got really we're going to do this again so i hated that uh and then the other thing was the free throw shooting i'm like there's no way that a team that can shoot three pointers like this should shoot free throws like this and that is the oldest question in basketball why can't you guys shoot free throws like, there's no great answer for that. For the longest time, the Mavericks employed a guy named Gary Boren. Nelly brought him with him from the Bay Area, and he was the free-throw shooting coach. And and we went through a period as Mav fans for, like, a decade and a half where we never worried about free throws. And and, and that all started – I mean, obviously, if Dirk and Steve Nash and Finley and those guys are going to have the ball, then they're going to go make free throws because that's yeah. who those guys are. Skin, I remember but, they got Nick Van Exel, and Van Exel was on, like only shot like 83% on free throws. And we were like, oh, my God, what is this guy doing? Yeah. And so so this version of this team, it's, it's very, very frustrating. Well, since the Kyrie trade, we haven't talked about free throws once. I don't know. I mean, does really, does one player make that big of a difference? Apparently so, uh, because that's not a problem anymore. Uh, but then you have this other, uh, you know, myriad of problems that are all defensive in nature. But but I'm laying all this out to go, for me, and the way that I evaluate any basketball situation is what are my realistic chances here? You know, what, I mean, on a nightly basis, a fan is looking to get satisfaction from watching the game. You work all day. You have, uh, you, you, what do you have to look forward to in your life? And for a hardcore Maverick fan, it's Dallas Mavericks basketball. You know, uh, oh my God, I got to work overtime today. This, uh, I know I've got the Mavericks when I get home. 
And this has been a very unsatisfying team to watch. And so that sucks for fans. And that's why there's so much frustration and so much finger pointing. However, for, for me, the way that I always evaluate these things is in any sport, really, but I know more about basketball than any other sport. I look at my team. I look at the status of the league and I go, what are my realistic chances here to go on a run? Uh, I can, I think you're the same way. I can get satisfaction out of watching a basketball game in which my team loses because of the way I watch basketball. I don't, I don't enjoy it. Right. It's not my favorite thing, but I, I, I take things out of it. And I think about those things for me, it's always about, all right, do we have a chance in April? You know, who taught taught me to think like that is Dirk. That that's what it is. And that's This is what Jason Kidd, as far as I can tell what his mentality is, dude, in the words of Bill Parcells, let's get in the tournament and see what we got. So you build towards how can I make a two month run? And there's decisions that are made that are based on that, that the fan doesn't like and doesn't, I think, and sometimes doesn't get, uh, because the regular season is so different from the playoffs and the way that you scout and the way that you prepare the things that you can run, all of those kinds of things. And so all of these thoughts go into, all right, what's my best chance once I get in the tournament and my matchups and those kinds of things? How do I play to my strengths? How do I impose my strengths on another team? How can I make up for my deficiencies? That doesn't help a fan when you've lost five in a row in March. They're not getting anything out of that. It's not for them. So I, I get that frustration. I'm saying all that to say the second that they got Kyrie, my, uh, the way, what I wanted out of the team was I wanted a lot. I didn't think they're a championship team. Sorry, Mark Cuban. I'm not trying to upset anybody. Big fan it's of the pod. A, Big fan of the not, pod. Not a championship team. However, it's close. And so what do we need? And Kyrie Irving is a free agent, unrestricted with a real interesting history of hopping around. So how can we present this situation to Kyrie to where he wants to plant his flag here? Because in the NBA, you can win a championship if you have Kyrie and Luka, if you have the right things around him. They weren't going to get the right things around them from March to the end of the season. It's going to have to happen in the offseason. In order for that to happen, Kyrie's got to be invested in this team and want to stay here. So my outlook became... Can the Mavericks present enough vibes and future prospect to Kyrie to where he wants to be here? And so then in the offseason, can I pick up a few things to put around Kyrie and Luka and then be a legitimate championship contender? And so having these injuries happen at this time is really nerve-wracking because if they don't make the playoffs, I don't know what that does to Kyrie's mentality. And then it gets really, really perilous. So those dudes, we can talk about injuries in a second. Those dudes got to get healthy because if they get healthy, even with this roster, they can make a run. They ain't going to win a championship. I'd be shocked if they won a championship, but they can make a run, get the vibes going and create a scenario where he wants to be here long-term and then you build. And right now it seems really difficult to make that run for Kyrie to want to stay here long-term. And that's where all of my, uh, consternation and hand-wringing resides. Yeah, I mean, I think like the the most important element of a playoff run, first off, is having really, really good players. The Mavs have two of those, you know, and then they have, you know, pretty good supporting cast that on some nights can be a very good supporting cast. 
Right. But the next most important thing that you need is like a reliable, consistent, solidified identity, you know? Yeah. And I just don't, I actually have a, uh, last week, I don't know if you, if you heard uh, the corner three skin, but Isaac and I dove into the intersection of sports and pop culture. We really explored that ground. Um, And I actually, I have a, I have a sports and pop culture crossover take to give you in the next segment. Great. Um, you need an identity. You need things that you do. And I just, you know, whenever you make a, a, a trade like that, like you get Kyrie midseason, it's going to shift your identity. It's going to change the whole thing because you just, you didn't have a player like him before and now you do. Right. But I still don't know what the Mavs' identity, I know what it they want it to be. I know they want to be kind of this isolation, spread, pick, and roll oriented offense where they hunt mismatches and kill you with two of the best isolation players of all time. And yep. then they have a bunch of versatile defenders to cover for them. Right. That I, I don't actually see that like on a, on a game-to-game, night-to-night basis. And part of that now is because some of those guys are out, right? Some of those guys are hurt. Your isolation guys are hurt, so you can't do the offensive thing. But your defensive guys are healthy, and you're still not playing any defense. And so I just don't know... They have 12 games left. Like, is 12 games enough to... Now, this is... We we recorded this, uh, for those listening on on The Freak, we recorded this on uh, Thursday before the Lakers game. And so maybe the right. Mavs won by 60. Maybe Luke and Kyrie both dropped 50, and we're just, like, feeling really good. But I don't I, think I, so, Bob. <laughs> it's possible. It's po- <laughs> Don't rule it out, Skin. Um, I don't think those guys are playing Friday, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, they definitely are going to make the trip to L.A., though. They would never miss a trip to the West Coast. But it's a lovely place. Yeah. I just don't know if 12 games or even 11 games or maybe even fewer than that is enough to establish what it is that you do here, you know, and, and that's kind of the, that's the biggest concern that I have. Yeah, no, it's valid. In fact, it's more than valid. That is, that's, that's real. That is what it is. Uh, And that's why it, that's why it's so frustrating that they, it was a different team. That's why it's frustrating that they they blew so many games early in the year. And so if you want to blame the coaching staff for that, I mean, if we're looking for singular blame, blame the coaching staff, sure. Personally think it's on the players. And quite frankly, I mean, I know this is, uh, you know, a sin around here. I think a lot of it's on Luca. You know, Luca has to, Luca has to be the best player in the world all the time. Uh, I know that that's a tough ask, but he has to. I mean, we we get into all these things where we just start projecting our own lives onto these players because of, quote unquote, their body language. But that's why I would use the term super cash. It's like, yo, man, when you're holding this dude's head underwater, keep it underwater until it's over. Like, Mm -hmm. don't let him back up and go, okay, man. That's morbid. uh, yeah. Hey, man, now that you have your energy back, let's uh, let's see what you got. You know, it's like, dude, when you got them, take them out. And and that begins with a mentality of your top dog. And so and I'm not saying like some people go, oh, well, he just doesn't have that gene. B.S. Uh, he's got to learn to utilize that more frequently. And, you know, I know a part of it is that sort of uh, boyish charm and all that kind of stuff. And uh, but that's th- there's just because we have one of the best players in the world doesn't mean he has a lot of room to grow. I mean, we can do five segments on the mentality of letting things distract you and just like having no idea who your man is like, like that's, that, that's got to stop. 
Like it's, if we've talked about it more than three times, that is on you. That is a huge problem. And so everyone got mad when kids said, you know, I'm just over here watching. They took it, you know, different people communicate things different way. I knew exactly what Jason Kidd was saying. I wasn't offended. I didn't sit there and think, oh, Kidd's just watching. He didn't coach. No, what he's saying is, dude, I used to be out there. You think Rick Carlisle can make me do this? I've got to do it. I've got go back and look at what really happened with Jason Kidd and Rick Carlisle, dude. The real was, story of that is not known. Skin. No. <laughs> and so it's like it's like oh he's oh, dude, no he's not he knows Jason Kidd knows that he's not going to win a championship for for Luca. Luca's going to go out there and win the championship. That's what he's going to do. That's why they brought Jason Kidd in here. They brought Jason Kidd in here to teach Luca how to do what Jason Kidd did, which is take a team to the finals multiple times and then go to another team and take that team over the hump and win a championship. That's what this is about. So we can get pissed off over this effing crappy stretch of four wins over 13, 14 games, and it sucks. But that's not what this is about. You get Luca. Everything is about winning a championship. Everything. And anything short of that is a complete failure. So you sacrifice things to put him in the position to do this. And part of that position is what Luca needs to learn to do. And that's why Jason Kidd is here, is to teach Luca how to do that. That's what Dirk knows. That's why Dirk said, yeah, we need Jason Kidd as the coach. Spin, skin, you are spitting. Spin, you're skitting. Let's get DJ into more of this right after this. Welcome back to Numbers on the Boards, presented by Fanboys, the official toy store of the Dallas Mavericks. It's Bobby Corella and Skin Wade. Skin, you were absolutely spitting. I can say it correctly now because my my adrenaline has settled a little bit. But I'm 100% on board with what you were talking about in the previous segment. In sum, you were basically like, J-Kid can do as much as J-Kid can do, but ultimately players play. Is that like yeah. the, the best Cliff Notes version? That's absolutely it. And I get uh, I get fans being mad at Jason Kidd for the way that he articulated that. He, he it, it, Dude, he has said a lot of things after the game that are very frustrating for fans. I've been around Jason Kidd. I was around Jason Kidd the first time he was here as a player. We knew we were friends with a couple people and were around him. I was around him a lot uh, when they went on the championship run. I feel like I speak Jason Kidd. I know Jason Kidd. I know exactly what he's saying. He does not do a good job of articulate that for a fan's perspective or for a writer that is ready to be critical of him. I get that, and it's frustrating. But, dude, he's not saying he just doesn't coach. He's saying, man, I can't be on the floor when Luca's arguing with a ref and it's a four-on-five going back the other way and Luca has no idea where his man is. I can't change that. He has to change that. And that's what he's saying when he says, "I'm, hey, dude, I'm watching this too. Guess what, fan? You can't run out on the floor and make that any different either. So it's just a matter of how caught up we get and whatever these things are. You've got to step back and see what is the goal of this. The whole goal of Jason Kidd, if we're going to sit here and we're going to go, well, Jason Kidd's no Rick Carlisle because he doesn't have 5,000 plays in a binder that Chuck Daly gave him. All right. He doesn't. 
He doesn't. Does that is that going to win the championship? I don't know. To me, what wins the championship is get Luca prepared to be one of the hundred greatest players of all time, like Jason Kidd is, like Dirk is. I'm telling you, the the thing that I've learned more than anything else in being around professional teams, being being so freaking lucky to have this job and being in locker rooms for different sports, being this close to the Mavericks. I got news for you, everybody. Elite players, they don't think like you and I do. They don't watch the game like you and I do. If you go to a badass player, like top 100 guy, and you start talking to him about plays, dude, they tune you out. They, they, you can sit here and start talking about, well, in this situation, you run. No. You know what the player's thinking? Give me the ball here. I want the ball here. Everybody get out of my way. That's what the badass player is thinking. And yeah, that's the, what a lot of this is about. When I think back to the Lakers bubble title, right? Obviously LeBron played great. Anthony Davis played great. But the thing, even in the moment that really stood out to me is that like LeBron James, right? Maybe the best player ever. Certainly one of the two or three or whatever. I don't care. Yeah. He would go to a huddle and J-Kid would get in his ear and LeBron would be listening <laughs> to what J-Kid was saying. Like that really, uh, that spoke volumes to me back then. But here yeah. is kind of the the best way to sum up uh, the Mavs defensive woes. This season, Whenever the Mavs make a shot on offense following that shot, they have the 19th best defense in the league, which is fine. You're about okay. average. Whenever they you. whenever they miss a shot, they have the 28th best defense in the league. Whenever Horrible. they miss a three, they have the 29th best defense in the league. Whenever they miss a free throw, they have the 25th best defense in the league. And so that signals to me a team that is just not getting back. And that's yeah. not all on Luka, all right? That's not all on Luka. But here's the two most important elements of the Mavs offense. They take a ton of threes, and they also mm -hmm. take a ton of free throws. They lead the league in free throw attempts, and I think they're like top two or three in percentage of their shots that are three-pointers. And so if you take a lot of threes, it means you're going to miss a lot of them. If you yeah. take a lot of free throws and you shoot poorly from the free throw line, which they have this season, it means you're going to miss a lot of them. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunities for the other team to run it down your throat if you don't get back in transition, and they just haven't gotten back in transition. Is that coaching? I doubt it. <laughs> like, I'm sure their film sessions are full of guys going coast to coast uh, right. for easy layups. Right. It ultimately is on the players. And that does start with it, whether it's your best player or your vocal leader or whoever, like someone has to rally the troops in that respect. And it just, it hasn't happened. We keep waiting for it to happen. Often uh, Mike and I sit in the press box and uh, at home games uh, machine. And he kind of like, Every few weeks, he always kind of like just wonders aloud, like, I wonder I, when is the season going to start? You know, right. like it just feels like we're just waiting for this thing to actually start happening. You know, yeah. and I just I don't know. I've never really felt that way before, but it, it certainly applies this year. Yeah, no, I, that's first of all, I can hear the machine saying that. Uh, and second <laughs> of all, he's right. And I, and I think part of what's pushing that is the team should be way better than it is. And you see all this potential. And and really, I look at this thing as like, whatever happened before the Kyrie trade, I almost feel like is insignificant. Um, in the same way that, well, uh, let me correct myself for the misinformation I was about to put out there. That didn't happen last year because there was a trend towards better defense right before the Porzingis trade. I can't remember how long it was, maybe you know, off the top of your head. It felt like there was a two or three week stretch. Yeah, it was about a month, about a month. Yeah. Um, 
So they were doing the identity of that. And at this point, especially with Luca and Kyrie missing games and, you know, the nature of Kyrie's injury uh, gives me heartburn. Um, but I, I think that, you know, there's not enough time to forge an identity. But I do think that the caliber of those two players and the other thing is just the energy that changes when the playoffs are here and the way gamers rise to the occasion. Like, you would be a fool to go, I really think the Mavericks are going to make a deep run here. But with those two players, I think you're a fool to rule out a deep run. And then, you know, if you want to, you can go, yeah, well, look at what Brooklyn did in the playoffs last year with Kyrie and KD. It's like, that that's fair. I'm not guaranteeing a deep run. I'm just saying, yo, with the way the playoffs go and the way matchups are, I think I'll take my chances with a, a healthy Kyrie and Luca to win a round or two. And so uh, there's still room for a lot of optimism. You're not seeing anything in the last two weeks to give you that optimism. Like, in other words, watching uh, the Sacramento game that they, the one that they lost, there was a lot to take out of that. That was good. Uh, the Laker game that they lost. There's a lot to take out of that that was good. The Philly game, hey, they won it. There's a lot to take out of that that was good. The Phoenix game, there that's Phoenix at their full power. There was a lot to take out of that that was good. There's also a lot of frustration, right? And that's that's going to be the nature of this thing. And again, my whole outlook is can they be good enough and exciting enough in the playoffs to make Kyrie want to stay here and then let's get to the offseason and then let's see what we can add to complement a situation where you're just so fortunate to have those two guys. The biggest source of optimism that I have right now, and maybe this is the most copium, but outside of the Kings, everyone else in the West kind of stinks right now too. Dude, Every yes. single team in the West is between six and four and three and seven in their last 10 games. That includes the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Suns, Clippers, Warriors, everybody. The Kings yeah. are the only team. They're eight and two. The Kings are really cooking, by the way. Yeah. They, the Kings... Are they your favorites coming to the West right now? Like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't no. want to get too far ahead of myself here, but no, they're, they're not. They're, they are playing great. Nobody else in the West is right now. Nobody. I, I, I'd have to. Pull the Clippers up their are roster. kind of kicking in the high gear, but yeah. I'd have to pull up their roster, but you know, and it doesn't always matter. But I do put a lot of uh, emphasis on playoff experience and being in those situations. I mean, that's the other thing too. When we get in these games. In these playoff games and Luca and Kyrie have the ball in these tense situations, I feel pretty good about it. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then like, for example, like the run that Jalen Brunson went on last year in the Utah series, for sure. The Utah series, most of the Phoenix series. I mean, I think that his failings the year before against the Clippers did him really well. When you look at his pedigree and his mentality and his toughness going through those things mattered. So, uh, but let me say this, if uh, this Luke injury lingers into the playoffs, toast. If this Kyrie ligament thing, you know, whatever's happening with his big toe, if that's if that's our reality, toast. Like, that's, that's truth. Um, so, I don't know what the future of those injury situations are. I will say this, if those guys are healthy, like my chances, man. Let's see where it goes. You have the guys and and – uh, you have those two guys, and then I think you have the other guy that's got to get healthy. Maxie's got to get healthy. He does mm -hmm. not look 
I mean, you can just tell it's a man that's had a lower leg injury. I mean, Bobby, if I were to go out and shoot jumpers right now or set jumpers or whatever it is I put up, it would look like Maxi shot. Yeah, he's he's short on everything, short yeah. on everything. And he missed a dunk against the Grizzlies. And then, like, the next possession, he tried to rotate out on Desmond Bain and was just a step and a half late. Very unlike yeah. Maxi. Very unlike Maxi. Right. And he's grinding through it because it's he's needed. And so, I mean, I honestly and truly believe that outside of those two guys, he might be your third most important guy just because of all the things that he does that literally nobody else on the team can do. Mm-hmm. But if he ain't healthy, he ain't going to be doing those things. Yeah. So uh, last week on the corner three, like I said in the last segment, Isaac and I, we became the first podcasters ever to really explore the intersection of sports and pop culture. Uh, <laughs> we compared the Mavs season to many things uh, to episodes of a TV show, to songs, to books. Uh, I said this Mavs season is like Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, We also compared the Mavs season to movies. And Skin, I know you're a big movie buff, and so off the rip, I'll I'll give you mine. I I chose two movies. The first was Memento, and the second was Blue Valentine. That's what I compared this Mavs season to, and I I just thought of another one this morning that I want to talk about, Sue, but I wanted to give you the opportunity are there any movies that you can think of off the top of your head that you can compare this Mav season to? Um, man. <sighs> okay. So that's a, there's a lot of depth to that question and this may not be where you're going, but for whatever reason, the first thing that popped into my head is Spike Lee's do the right thing. And the reason is, is because the tension is high in that movie because it's so hot and there's this, uh environment of uh tension already which i think you know we we all we've illustrated why all that's the case and then uh there's the uh the elder who's got his problems in this case the mayor and he's like trying to get everybody the, the theme of the movie is you have to do the right thing no matter what is going on around you and the chaos and the tension you have to do the right thing and if you don't do the right thing it leads to complete chaos, and then everybody loses. Everybody's out in the street. Things are getting destroyed. This man loses his life. And so it's like in this pressure cooker with all this intensity, you have to do the right thing, which the Mavericks have not been doing in their style of play. So I don't know if that's the right uh, comparison or not, but that's for whatever reason the first thing that popped into my head. No, that's a profound choice, Skin. That is a profound choice. And I can count on you to deliver that. Yeah, I mean, I love Spike Lee. You might not be a movie guy, but you are a guy that knows a lot about movies. Okay, I like that. I like yeah. that. The one that I thought of this morning, and I'm I'm kicking myself for not thinking about it last week, um, mm-hmm. so that I could really just uh, knock Isaac's socks off with it. Are you familiar with the 2018 film Bohemian Rhapsody? Skin. I only know the Queen song, man. Oh, okay. So I don't. <laughs> you're not missing out on much. Um, for those who don't know, Queen is my favorite band ever. Love Queen, love Freddie Mercury. Everybody knows Queen's hits, but their catalog is full of stuff that is so, so good. Yeah. But the movie, the movie just left me wanting more or kind of like wanting different. Okay. Yeah. It just wasn't, it's not historically accurate. Um, it just feels like I'm kind of like waiting for the 
the actual story to happen. Um, Freddy's character just never gets oh. the opportunity to be happy. Wait, hold on a second. Is it was that the name of the Queen biopic? Was yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, with... I absolutely saw that. I didn't oh, realize okay. it was called Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, I'm with you. Keep going, keep going. Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, Rami Malek, terrific yes. actor, won the Oscar for his role, but his role was to just kind of be bummed out the whole time. Uh, right. Freddie was actually a very joyful person, of course, but the Freddie's character is just like always kind of like, what am I doing here? Like, who am I? I don't really know. And he even says like, uh, well, for the real Freddie said like you you just look into a mirror like I'm I'm a mirror that you're just looking into you can just make me whatever you want to be but like clearly this character had no identity uh the film like kind of looked cool at times but then other times had scenes that were just edited like so weird just like really bizarre choices at times uh and then you get to the very end and the concert scene is just really cool but like the rest of the movie is just sort of like eh you know like I'm kind of like what what it really is this about and I feel like that's just a, you know, Queen is very near and dear to my heart. Freddie Mercury is very near and dear to my heart. And so I feel like uh, that captures the Mavs experience a little better for me because the Mavs obviously are, you know, kind of my whole life at this point. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I never really felt like that movie began, you know, Dude, despite that's, the... I, I wish I'd thought of something more like that, more like the experience of watching the movie. Uh, that's great. And I did see that movie and I'm a big, I mean, I was probably 10 or 11 years old when the game came out, which was a, uh, it's not the best queen album, but from, I'm telling you, you could not go anywhere in 1980 or 81, whenever that was, and not hear another one bites the dust on every single radio on every single radio station. They're playing it on rock. They're playing it on pop. You Back know, they recorded that balls. music video at reunion arena. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, they recorded that video at music at Reunion Arena before the Mavs ever even played a game there. It had just opened up. They were doing a tour. They came through here, recorded it at Soundcheck that morning. That's incredible. Can you find out with your deep uh, Mavericks roots if the Who's video for Eminence Front was at Reunion Arena? I'll check it out. I'll check see it out what I can find. And maybe it doesn't, you don't have to find out during the pod. But uh, I felt the same way about the movie you did. I'm probably not, I mean, I love Queen, but it sounds like you're, you're deep into them. And so... That can definitely be disappointing, but that happens with a lot of music biopics. It's like a spec, like it's like okay, you know, this is cool and I like the music, but I don't know that I got the satisfaction out of it that I wanted, uh, you know. And and so I, I, that's a that's a great comparison. Now you did say that it ended pretty cool, and so maybe I'm hoping that that is the perfect microcosm or analogy I should say for this season that it at least ends cool. And we have uh, something electric there at the very end to be excited about. What if the Spurs the win is the What if the Spurs win is the big triumph, dude? That would be really bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be horrible. I mean, it was cool. You got five players scoring twenty points, first time in franchise history. You know, Dwight right. Powell, your leading scorer in the third quarter. Reggie Bullock led the way in overtime. Come on, skin. This is huge. It's like a band coming together. Five guys stepping up. Yeah, but that's like, uh, you know, going and seeing Queen and Freddie Mercury and Brian May are out sick that night. It's probably not going to be a very good show, man. Well, I saw Queen with Adam Lambert a couple times. They were pretty good. Okay. Yeah, they were pretty good. Brian could still play. Roger could still play. John Deacon, the bassist, does not tour with them anymore. And Freddie obviously has uh, has passed on to the next plane. So uh, Brian May is one of the great, great guitars. What a cool tone and great player. And man, oh, I'll yeah. I'm glad you put Queen in my brain today. 
You know, he got knighted this week. I didn't know that. By uh, the person that knights people. Who, <laughs> uh, who does... Is not the queen, or, or rest in peace, uh, the uh, king. Uh, oh, Charles does it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, is it Brian mean to May. call him Chuck? Is it? Does, do you think anyone calls him Chuck, or do you think everyone calls him Charles? I, I guess they call him your majesty. Calls, I think if someone, if he heard someone call him Chuck, he would throw up in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. How he's no, you? He, he's way different than Cooperstein. He, he's got a totally different vibe. Is Chuck's name Charles Coop? Let's take some calls and find out. I really <laughs> yeah, don't know. Let's, I, I let's would, get, it, let's I get him on the show. So. I let's would get him on the show. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we got we got a few minutes left here, Skin. And so I want to end. Uh, I want to end the show the way that I always do. I guess. Yeah. Only this time, it's probably a pretty good chance. The next time we talk, it's going to be like the final week of the regular season, or like coming okay. up to it. Yep. And so you know, try and try and put your your mind two weeks into the future if you can. Okay. I think at this point you can we pretty much know the answer. It's just do they win or do they lose? But two weeks from now, what what are we what are we feeling? If if things are good, is it just because they got healthy? Like what is the what is that, the outlook? No, no, no. Yeah, let me give you I think there's I mean, there's obviously way more possibilities than this, but I feel like there's two distinct kind of possibilities. One, those guys continue uh to stay hurt. And we're talking about, all right, so we're not going to, are we going to convey the pick to the Knicks or not? I think that's one outcome if they stay hurt. And then uh, I think the outcome, if they get healthy, I think they come back with a renewed vigor and a sense of urgency. And they don't want to, and Kyrie and Luca don't want to embarrass themselves by missing the playoffs. And I think they get it together enough to the degree to where we have a little bit of optimism going into the playoffs. I don't think they come back and the Mavs keep losing. I mean, certainly it's a possibility. I don't believe that will happen. What about There's, you? Man, I mean, they could come back against the Lakers and play the next three games. It's Lakers, Grizzlies, Warriors. Now, Ja will not play in that game. Um, but Lakers, Grizzlies, Warriors, Luke and Kyrie could come back and they could still play well and lose all three of those games. Like, it's sure it's really, really tough. After that, you have three games against lottery teams, and then after that, it's hard for the rest of the year. And so... Man, I don't know. I I would feel a whole lot better if they were playing, not even their best basketball, just good basketball right now. But they're just they're we got to see it, you know. We got to see yeah. it. And so, I I kind of am with you that if they come back and if Luca can like move, I think they're gonna win some games, you know. Yeah. Um, but they've got to come back, and Luca's got to be able to move, and Kyrie's got to be able to 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 explode to the rim, and just a lot of things have to go right, man. The margins are so thin right now. We're like the dude walking, you know, with the with the big bar on the wire across the World Trade Centers. Like, I, I just yeah. hope the wind doesn't blow too hard. You know, oh that's, my that's God. Really it. We didn't account for the shift in wind. We yeah. didn't plan for this. These westerlies are just really kicking my ass, you know? Yeah. No, um, I mean, that's, that's where we're at. There's a lot of reasons why we're in this boat right now. And it's like, that's why it's difficult to just say it's injuries, man, because it's more than injuries. But the immediate situation is, yeah, it's injuries need the players to be able to play if players yep. play we need the players but all right well uh skin thank you for joining me man i really appreciate it as always if you were listening on 97 one the freak don't go anywhere because coming up next is the corner three but hey if you're watching on youtube if you're listening on spotify or itunes or anywhere else cheers to you hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and the rest of the map season and we'll be with you next time on numbers on the boards whoop, whoop.